We decided to call this series Trail Towns because even though our journey was mostly about hiking the Appalachian Trail, we were also very interested in the communities that we would be residing, even if it was just for a short time. Before the trip, when I would think about the state of Maine, I would think about lobster, carriage roads, and the many areas along the coast. And while that's still very iconic in Maine, my perspective has expanded a bit. On our trip, we experienced some of the most unique and generous communities, incredibly rugged terrain, and some of the most beautiful night skies. This is our last official state of our Trail Town series. Welcome to Maine. No pain, no rain, no main. Remember I followed a hiker on Instagram and I thought she came up with that, which was clever. <laughs> then we discovered that it's actually it's like a, it's an Appalachian Trail mantra. Yeah. And it's on shirts. It's on hats. It's everywhere. And we made it. Yeah. We made it to Maine. Yeah. But I got to say, I've had some pain. We've had. <laughs> We've definitely had some rain. We've had a lot of rain. But it was a uh, it was a nice when when I was when I was in pain and when it was raining, it's like this is how you get to Maine. There's yeah. no there's no way around it on the Appalachian Trail. I recently saw a through hiker that I follow on social media say, throughout the entire hike, when somebody asked him where he was going, he would just say to Maine, and he just recently crossed over into the state as well. And like, what a feeling that was, which was pretty cool. It really, I mean, it lives up to its hype. We yeah. talked about that in New Hampshire, talked about it in Vermont. But I mean, Maine, Maine is rugged. Yep. I met in New Hampshire, uh, going back to the last episode when I talked about the White Mountain Huts, I ate dinner with a Sobo hiker going southbound. And he said... If in, if in Maine, they don't believe that it's going to help the, the land, like the preservation, conservation of the land, they're not going to put up like a, a little boardwalk just mm -hmm. because it's muddy. Sure. And they're like, they're just going to have you walk in the mud. And he said, within 15 seconds of leaving the lean-tos every day when he was hiking southbound in that rain, he said, my shoes and socks were just soaked through for the entire day. So there was almost got to a point where there was no reason Pointing, to even dry them out. Yeah. But I just, I, I thought about that. And when I got to Maine, I knew what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And I was like, OMG, this place is just, it's like, if you're not willing to be in the wilderness. Yeah. You probably shouldn't go hiking on the Appalachian Trail in Maine. No. They got warning signs galore. It's actually a lot of really intense warning signs. Right? Really intense hiking, really intense they tell warning you that signs. It's going to be really hard, and that if you get in trouble, they cannot gonna, rescue they can't you. They can't guarantee that somebody's going to be able to rescue you. And I'm sure that has something to do with resources and just the amount of wilderness that there is. But I think they're really just trying to make sure that people are prepared yes. before they head off into the woods. So before we jump into that stuff, um, Cotopaxi and I had a little detour and some bougier parts of coastal Maine that if you ever do come to Maine and hike the Appalachian Trail, a lot of people wind up having 
friends or family come meet them and they do a little time on the coast of Maine. Uh Uh, Good Fire Brewing in Freeport was absolutely stunning, beautiful, and great food. Uh, We went hiking and camped in uh, Lemoyne State Park right on the water outside of probably about 45 minutes from Bar Harbor. Mm-hmm. And we stayed in, or we went hiking and spent the day in Camden State Park. And then we went to Acadia National Park, which is one of the more dog-friendly national parks in the United States. And also, I mean, you and I have gone there a couple times and we're going with your parents in, uh, this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, just Yeah, it's just beautiful. Stunning. It really is. Great it's hikes. easy to navigate. Uh, yeah. And is it true, like, would it be right that there's not a ton of wildlife there? In Acadia? In ter- yeah, not not in terms of... Like, like when, when you're when, hiking. So when like, you talk of wildlife, you always mean the the mammals that might kill you. I mean the ones that are going to get me. Yes. Yeah. There's not many of those, right? No, not really. So I think that that's always a load off. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to worry about that as much. So that might be my favorite yeah, national my, park yeah. now. That might be heading up the list. Watch out, Shenandoah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm over that. I've left there. So see you later. <laughs> Uh, so some of these spots though in coastal Maine, really nice to enjoy. Uh, so heading back onto the trail, the first trail town we hit and visited was Andover, Maine, which I stayed, uh, with Code Epoxy at South Arm Campground, which the award show is next, but South Arm is claiming to be Maine's most beautiful campground. Yeah. So what do you I, think? I don't know. Can't. No spoilers here. Oh, okay. Got, you don't, you you don't want to say yet. But th- that is their tagline. Which this is an interesting thing about this campground, though. You ha- they have they have sites that you can just pull right up. They also have about thirty sites that you have to kayak or canoe to. Wow. And you park like they have a whole parking lot that you park their car. It's called their wilderness sites. That's cool. And you kayak or canoe over to them. I think there's stuff like that in like Minnesota and Voyagers oh, National yeah? Park. Okay. Uh, but they just have them there, and I I watched some people head on over for the weekend. Do you remember what site you were? Because uh, it currently has a water filter at it. Oh, funny. That's yeah. probably right. yes. Well, that water filter that was about three weeks ago from this recording. So the water filter that I left there is. You think it's ooh. been snagged by now? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> Andover though was a nice trail town. You know. No frills, but it was one of my favorites. It had it had a night. It had a resupply. It had camping. It had easily accessible trail gaps. It had a it had Wi-Fi or a service, internet service, mm-hmm. cell phone service, cell phone service. Yeah. Yeah. which has not been the case the case a lot. And it had a uh, basketball public basketball court that Coda Poxy and I loved getting down on. Hmm. Which was, uh, but really, that's there's not many things you need to make a great trail town. Yeah. And they had all those. Met some interesting, funny uh, thru-hiker, Blacksburg, who's named uh, from being from Blacksburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So I'm at South Arm, and we get to the South Arm Gap on the Appalachian Trail. And there's two options. One, you can climb up rungs. And go 800 feet in a half a mile on the one side of the road. On the other side of the road, you had a Florida River. Mm. And 
I'm standing there and a woman is standing there in a van coming out of a camper van and talking about waiting to waiting to see her husband come across. There's a couple other through hikers there and Cotopaxi and I are there. And come long comes across this six year old guy ford in the river and first of all i thought oh shit i'm in maine like we got to ford rivers now too people are swimming rivers on the appalachian trail so she invited us over to her campsite where we got to talk shop about the appalachian trail he's through hiking it and she comes and meets him in the van uh but then when you and i were at a rest area in maine later she came, she pulled into the parking spot. She was honking and waving and I hadn't met her. And I was like, what is happening? And it was that same gal. Yeah. So that was kind of funny seeing the trail stuff. and That was of... somebody that you didn't expect to see again, just because of how our plans are going and like cadence of hiking and such. But yep. there she was. Also met a, a section hiker with four legs named Sedona which was very sweet and uh out of out of andover you have two really nice trail gaps one going north in south arm and one called the depot hill gap and out of depot hill gap uh, code epoxy and i met a nice pooch named sedona and his parents and we went hiking with them one day That's so nice. it was really nice really nice so then <clears throat> We went to probably now the rest of Maine, the most iconic part of the Appalachian Trail, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Yes, I would say so. And the first stop uh, was to set up shop for several nights on the edge, the southern edge of the 100 mile wilderness. Mm-hmm. So, right at the end of the trail, the trail basically, if you're hiking northbound, you enter the 100 mile wilderness, which is 100 miles of, there are ways to leave it, but it's logging roads in maine that you're likely there's not a trail town there's not a resupply you might be able to hitch if you find it if i'm sure you probably could hitch but there's not just people driving by no you've got to walk a ways out to get to anything so there's a lot there's a lot of warnings and intensity with it uh but right on the southern edge awaiting you before you leave is the probably the most famous as bill Seems bryson called it iconic yeah the, the most famous hiking hostel on the at as coined by bill bryson shaw's shaw's hiker hostel we had a good time at shaw's yeah it was established in 1977 and i don't know when the couple that owns it now bought it poet and hippie chick 2006 maybe i don't know if i made that up or not but it's been it wasn't hasn't been super recent, I don't think. No, but um, 2015. I don't know. 2015, 2015, because they're they're not that old that they. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. It is. Yeah, I called you young poet and hippie check. Is crazy, right? Like, I mean, it is communal living at its best, and just all of these wonderful like-minded people, and like they just have incredible resources for hikers there. So everything from showers, of course, to you can purchase breakfast, which I'm sure you'll talk about that here in a second. But they also have a humongous gear shop, a poet's gear shop, and really anything that you would need in regards to resupply, they have it there. And I had, before we arrived, like watched a little video on their website, and they had talked about Sobos, southbound hikers, and wanting to make sure once they got like, you know, 
100 to 100 miles in, just like when you're going north and you hit Neal's Gap, that you have supplies. Maybe you don't have the right shoes. Maybe you need a water filter. All you of that need a little kind of shakedown. stuff. Yeah, they you do need shake? a shakedown yeah. to see, you know, what you don't have or what you have it's that you don't need. A shakedown is they kind of shake out your backpack and tell you to get out of the stuff you don't really need. Yeah, because it adds a lot of weight. But so anyway, in regards to resources, it's incredible. You, we van camped, of course. They had glamping. They had tent spots. And then a bunk room. Bunk room, private, private rooms. rooms. And it's just like a. Um, old home yeah it's an old home they got they live there well dogs they live, live it's like there's two buildings yes. yeah they live there their dogs live there uh some of their seasonal workers often former or current through hikers live there uh just a really cool spot it reminded us a lot of uh of the places that we've gone to in Ecuador and some of the places I've gone to in Iceland. Mm -hmm. Really had a, uh, it reminded me of those international hiking hostels that I really love. People were really friendly. They were really supportive of one another. Of course, there was a lot of hiker talk because, you know, it was where you came from, what you'd been through when you were leaving, you know, what your plans were. Uh, but it was, it was pretty neat. And so a zero in Apple in through hiking lore is when you take a day off zero miles and you picked up on a lot of so when we got there tons of tents in the yard yeah and, it must have been a group because it was never that busy again and you picked up on a little uh other hiking lore that isn't really in the book sometimes but sounds like it's a pretty regular usage at Shaw's and that is to take a double zero yes because it's just such a comfortable like they even had this little room that they called like a music room and they had movies in there you could watch people together play playing, music people were playing categories jamming on acoustic guitars watching yeah. indiana jones <laughs> old flicks it, yeah it was nice well and we got to talk about the breakfast though, yes. a little bit because that is like it's like a full service diner I mean, it's incredible. They make eggs, bacon, and um, skillet potatoes. Yep, they call it, I think they call it the hash. Is it, yeah, I don't it's know. just the hash. Home fries? I don't know. Yep. Whatever. It was delicious. And then all you can eat blueberry pancakes, which. And, and coffee I mean, and orange juice. And honestly, they feed. The day that you went, it was over 40 people. I signed up, I was 49th one day. <laughs> it was less when I went. It was like. There was maybe 25 or 30 people, but they fed everybody within probably 30 minutes. Honestly, I don't know how they do it. Right out of this little kitchen. Out of a little regular, regular kitchen. And everybody sits down and chats. And the day that I went and had breakfast, um, it was two individuals from Virginia. And they were going to hike the second half of the wilderness. So that's another thing they do at Shaw's. I actually got a shuttle drop. You can get shuttles. And I think that that's a big thing too. Because they were going to start at like the 50 mile. I don't know if it's 50 miles. But halfway through. And then hike north from there. So that they. Because they only had so much time. But. So speaking of the. Well yes. Breakfast as advertised. Delish. Uh, it was also funny. So I, there's a little write up there about Poet. The co-owner. And like his love of cooking. And making breakfast. Mm -hmm. And how when. This was a great opportunity for him to be reinvigorated with that. Hash is not all you can eat because there's a limited supply. So two sure. funny stories about these. Uh, there was a through hiker there who was doing a little work stay. And I heard him ask Poet, like, you know, 
so what should I what should I be doing first? And he said, oh, you know, definitely probably going to have you uh, this afternoon cutting up the potatoes and onions for tomorrow. That is like a ongoing ongoing you're somebody's afternoon somebody's job. always got to be cutting potatoes and onions and then the second thing uh that i thought was sort of interesting with that was uh doughboy a through hiker that i was eating breakfast with the guy brought out uh hambone brought out more blueberry pancakes like we're talking 16 now yeah, this, so many at our table and doughboy said got any more hash back there and hambone looked at him and said no more hash. And all I was thinking was, I bet if Hambone brought out more hash to Doughboy, that meant everybody. That meant Hambone would not be getting his hash Probably, that morning. Probably, you're right, you're right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, re- just really nice. Uh, speaking of the shuttle service, too, really easy to set up with them. I did it when I got there. So I was able to hike into the 100-mile wilderness a lot further than I thought I was going to get to because I thought I was going to have to only go as far as the van could take us Mm -hmm. and the van in these on these logging roads couldn't take us very far so i was able actually able to hike about a fourth maybe a third of the hundred mile wilderness and a lot of this was because i could hike in and they could pick me up in a spot yeah which was really nice Mm -hmm. trails also walking distance from or to uh shaw's and the town of so we haven't even brought monson maine is the trail town Yes. Let me say one more thing about the shuttle service, though. They also do food drops. So, like, if you need resupply, um, you can schedule that with them, and they'll bring you food, and you can give them all your trash and stuff, which is, I assume, pretty helpful if you're trying to navigate that. And maybe, because we'll get to this, but we met some really fast through hikers, but it could definitely take people a really long time as well. So, the 100 Mile Wilderness, our friends Matt and Katie, uh, by the way, thank you for coming to meet us. Yeah, so um, nice. They, they came up and I took them in and first words out of Matt's mouth entering the 100 mile wilderness were I'm expecting who's the character from Lord of the Rings Frodo I didn't watch it though. okay so I think I you know he said I'm expecting Frodo and to be around the corner like it was like he was walking through like a shire in like the Lord of the Rings yeah just this magical beautiful place mm-hmm. and Two things about it. A, it's not as hard as it sounds scary. Yeah. But it's rugged in terms of the mud, in terms of, like, the bouldering you have to do. Uh, but but it is gorgeous. It just is pond into waterfall, into pond, into these gorgeous forests. And it was really, I mean, my favorite. This whole little section was my favorite part of the entire trail. Mm-hmm. Spoiler for best of. Spoiler for best of. Coming soon. Uh, other things, you know, we liked about the trail town. The Monson General Store had everything we needed and so many things we didn't need that we loved. Like <laughs> homemade cannolis and yeah. cream puffs and pickled beets and pickled jalapenos. Yeah, it was and- a very cool general store. And when we also went, I went to the... Um, Monson like historical museum it was the upstairs of this building where they had a lot of local history there and a gentleman that was up there told me that there had been a foundation that had come in and really helped support the town 
um, with the buildings of the general store. They have a lot of like artists and residents there now. Um, they had a couple different galleries. I mean, we're talking small. I don't know how many people live there, but a couple hundred. I mean, the downtown doesn't even probably have a stop sign. I mean, it's like two blocks. Yeah. It's not very far long, but um, actually, it's really, really cool and well done. We went to eat at the Lakeshore Lodge, which is the other place. Actually, they kind of call it if um, if you want to stay. Even Shaw's sends people there, and they send people to Shaw's. Like, if you want a little quieter place to stay, maybe, uh, the Lakeshore Lodge is great. But their pizza that I got was unbelievable. Yeah. And if you want to have a good business idea, mm-hmm. if you want to go to a highly trafficked thru-hiker trail town, and there isn't an ice cream shop <laughs> next to the most stayed at hiking hostel, might I suggest you go do that. Yes, there's an ice cream shop half a block. From Shaw's and the Lakeshore Lodge. Yeah, it was all right there together. And there was never somebody out, not outside that window getting ice cream. It was a downpour one day and I walked over there and I didn't really care. And there was the nicest like high school kid working working it he had gone home and left a note that he was gonna be back and i was standing there in the rain and this kid came barreling down the street and came running in behind the counter and then looked at kind of looked at me like like he had it like i hadn't seen him just run he's like what can i get you yeah that's nice no it's a very cool place and uh then we moved up to the northern end of the hundred mile wilderness which is millinocket maine Yes. And Abel Bridge. Millinocket also had a hostel, hiking hostel that we stayed at. That we loved as well. Yes, that was as uniquely similar and different and communal and lovely. I mean, just, it's hard to really describe these places. I mean, it's out of my box for sure. Just meaning um, I'd never stayed at places like that that had bunks and tents and like everybody's just you start a tab and it's just like sure like no. honor system kind of yeah right? yeah not even taking a credit card and, and so when i say out of my box it's just something that i'm not used to but it's just like the most lovely definition of community helping community and the at hostel was similar shout out to the new guy who is uh cody the co-owner the trash panda's uh brother I suppose. brother yeah. yeah and he was real sweet uh when we got there and that was his trail name because he didn't have a trail name when he started working there and they needed to put something on his new tag and he gave us lots of recommendations from how to hike katahdin to what to eat at the at cafe to where we were going next in some of the dark sky areas of Abel bridge so he was amazing yeah the whole place was so we had a great time at in Millinocket, uh, the AT Cafe, the Appalachian Trail Cafe. I highly recommend eating there if you're staying there. And also went to the Knife Edge Brewery, which is on the way to Baxter State Park. Mm-hmm. And that was also just an excellent place. There's a pizza place on that main street, too. That was very good. Yep. Angelo's. Yes. And our friend Matt got his haircut at Russ's Barbershop. Perfect. I think we've hit all the high points now. Uh, just need to talk a little hiking. Oh, okay. Back yeah. to the hiking, folks. Uh, so the, the Appalachian Trail ends with Mount Katahdin, the Great One, according to the name of the native tribes that have lived there. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, 
there is not a better way to end a through hike than going up Mount Katahdin. I now understand why everyone wants to go northbound. As, because of that because of where it ends or what? Yes. It is just this Okay, folks. Let me set it up a little bit. You're hiking through the end of the 100-mile wilderness. You're passing through one of the many gorgeous, beautiful ponds. And through the tree, you see it for the first time. Mount Katahdin. Very dramatic. Very dramatic. But it towers over the whole area. The whole area is at 1,000 feet in elevation. And Katahdin goes up to 5,200 feet. And it's just one mountain. It's not like there's a bunch of other mountains by it. And it's just hard to describe. It really, it really runs the whole area. <coughs> and there's nothing else around it that's high. And to finish the Appalachian Trail that way, by climbing up this mountain that is known for rock climbing, basically, horrible weather, huge elevation gains. Matt and I left it. Four, four in the morning. Four in the morning with headlamps on is just such a special experience. I guess it would also be unbelievable to start. Yeah, right? If you're going southbound, you That'd know. Be pretty... But just the idea that it's the northern terminus uh-huh. of the Appalachian Trail is pretty cool. Your videos were pretty intense. That weather seemed intense. And it was like once you got up to the tree line, it's just super exposed. Yeah. And it seems like Matt said in one of the places, I think it was at the brewery, there was a picture of the hiker at Katahdin with the blue sky. But I would say 90% of the photos I see, it's a hazy backdrop. Um, Don't even see anything off of the no, side. No, you can't really see much. So Katahdin in a nutshell, uh, there's a couple different routes to the top. Knife Edge is the famous one for the uh, adventure-seeking enthusiasts. Because you're on a knife's edge, more or less. The Hunts Trail follows the Appalachian Trail. And then a ball trail. But either way, you're looking at about 2,000 feet elevation in the first two miles. Then you're going to rock climb, more or less. Boulder. Boulder. Boulder, 15 to 1,800 feet in a mile and a half doesn't matter what way you want to go. You're going to yeah, hit any of these. you hit that. Then you hit the Tableland and Thoreau Spring, which is named after Henry David Thoreau, who got a spring named after him because he climbed that mountain in the 1800s, I guess. And you walk along basically a flat piece for about a mile. Sounds kind of easy, other than the fact you've already done this other stuff. And for us, when we got up to this Tableland, 35 mile per hour winds and 30 foot visibility of fog. Mm-hmm. And we've been up since four in the morning. It's now seven. And it just, I mean, it was, it was a hard mile. And then you climb about a couple hundred more feet and then you're there. Well, and just for clarification too, you a didn't know how long it was going to take you. So you wanted to give yourself plenty of time, but more often than not, when you hit that kind of elevation or you go up those peaks, a lot of times there's like an early afternoon storm. Yep. So that's part of the reason you left so early. You wouldn't have to leave that early. You're actually trying to do it 
to skirt some weather. Yeah. But it ended up kind of being just a typical overcast day. Yeah. In fact, I'd say we actually lucked out because it didn't rain on us. I will also say that I was down, of course, in Millinocket, which is what? 20 minutes from the base. Yeah. And it was a blue sky, beautiful day. Yeah. I would also say that we left in beautiful weather. And when we got back to the bottom, it was gorgeous. I think, again, highlighting some of the unpredictability when you start to get up in those elevations. Yeah. What a way to, like, finish the trail. We then actually, though, went to A-Ball Bridge and jumped backwards because I built in a couple bad weather days. Yes. Because sometimes if it's too bad, you're not even going to take off, right? Yeah, not even able to summit. So A-Ball Bridge Campground is a bridge and a river that you come out of the northern end of the 100-mile wilderness. So Shaw's and Monson is at the southern end. And then A-Ball Bridge is on the trail at the northern end. And we stayed there for two days. And had, like, the two most beautiful main weather days. Oh, Blue sky, we had a river side campsite, and it's kind of like, it was end of August, but already fall It was unbelievable. I mean, so not super hot, it was just beautiful. So one day I hiked into the, the northern end of the 100 mile wilderness and then back out, but th- which was a nice day, but then my last day hiking on the trail... I hiked the connecting miles up to Katahdin through Baxter State Park. Mm-hmm. And Baxter State Park is where Katahdin is located. Uh, they, they pride themselves on no paved roads, on no electricity, no cell phone service, like for the wilderness first, people second. And it was the most magnificent. I mean, cascading waterfalls, wildflowers. I mean, when Matt and I were there, a tree fell and blocked the road Uh and no, there was no way to get around and a ranger had to come and saw it out. They did it really quickly. Yeah. Meaning that I would guess that happens, but it's like a decent, it's like there was no other road. Right. And no other way. So again, just to clarify, you'd come out of the hundred mile wilderness, you'd hit a ball bridge. So we saw people that we saw at Shaw's before they entered the 100 mile wilderness. Yes. People that did it in about four days, right? Four or five days. Four or five days. And we saw two different groups that we had seen at Shaw's. They left about a day before we left. And then as we were talking about, we did it out of order. But so then they came to Abel Bridge and then most hikers would go into Baxter. So they'd have one day. To do the hiking that I did. And stay overnight. Yep. And then summit. summit. So like from that location, there was about typically two more days of of hiking i gotta say for myself there was i i think i finished my emotion a little bit uh for the most part with katahdin Mm -hmm. which as most would there was a lot of emotion though that last day i was hiking with people seeing them go maybe what they were telling me Mm. that they were feeling like, people that have been out on this trail since March, it's now late August, February, and they're like, yep, tomorrow's the last day. Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, well, I did it I did it the other day, and now I'm just, you know. And so my last day was different, but I could, it, it was just a really beautiful, not even sad, just 
excitement, some jitters, some kind of like, oh, wow, like this thing's coming. This incredible journey I've been on since early this year, and I probably planned for who knows how long before that, is coming to an end. Yeah, I felt like at Shaw's, right before you entered the 100-mile wilderness, there was a lot of anticipation, excitement. I felt like the hikers were very animated there. Now, probably because they came out of a 100-mile hike. But at Abel Bridge, it just was super serene. There was not nearly as many people, so that was probably it, too. But it was just, um, <coughs> excuse me, very, it was very different. Like you said, like, I think more introspective a little bit as yeah. people, or at least those that group of people were a little more introspective. And, it, and it's weird, and this is why, like, some, sometimes adventures are just adventures. Because I walked back to the campsite. Literally, we say we basically slept on a bri- below a bridge on the river on that the Appalachian Trail, yeah. yeah, and that was that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'd been out there since you know May twenty seventh. I'd yeah. hiked. I wound up hiking over half the miles of the trail, which was about my goal. Yeah. I was a little over my goal, and it was just. It's like it just ends, mm-hmm. but you get to carry on with this whole experience for the rest of your life. Yeah. I've read a lot about that too. And I may have talked about it on here. There's a lot of people, not everybody, people go on the trail for a variety of reasons. But I've read interestingly that a lot of people who go out maybe, I don't know, to think something through or make a life change or get over something or move through something. It's like, it doesn't mean when you hit Katahdin, it's going to be done. Never. And I think that, like, it's just more about the journey and taking the time for yourself. And, and again, kind of that cliche, but really enjoying the journey part of it. Because it's not like you start here and you end here. I want, I'm want i starting here and I want to be like this when I end here. It's just not how it works. You know, not to this degree, but you and I have done quite a, many different things mm-hmm. like these. And the one thing I can say about this one, just like all the other ones, is like, we got to keep doing them, but I don't know why, other than like, they just continue to mold you and change you and shape you. And the answers aren't always just, they're not just sitting there, Mm -mm. but like they're there. And maybe sometimes I think just, it's the idea of doing these things over and over again. I would also add that it. I don't think you have to do something like this, this intense. Sometimes I believe there's just something in the power of nature. Yeah. Right? So sometimes that's just spending a little bit more time outdoors. Even if it's in your own backyard, it can be really beneficial. Yep. And that's what's so great about the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. And it's access, I think. Yes. You can... You can do a little or you can do a lot. Yep. Mm-hmm. So no pain, no rain... No main. But we made it. We made it. And we're going to be back with one final episode. Oh, and our pooch saying goodbye for this season. And we're going to leave the sign off here, folks. Hashtag number five, number nine dot com. Thanks for listening. Happy Christmas.